You're listening to Divorce Happy Hour, everything you want to know about divorce in New Jersey. I'm your host, Christina Previtt. And I'm John Nodley. We've been practicing law, divorce law specifically, for 15 years, and we're here to share some of our war stories with you. So welcome. So today's topic... It was supposed to have a different name, but I was just informed only moments ago <laughs> that we could not use our our topic because it had potty language. <laughs> so the new title is Crazy Stuff Clients Say. I think you can all figure out what the original title was. <laughs> I think we can. <laughs> what do you think? I'm disappointed. I I was so excited about that title. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed too, but you know what? Rules are rules. Yeah, what are you going to do? Rules are rules. So, all right. So crazy stuff clients say. I'll try not to slip. And that's for my producer back there. So, (laughs) you know, we hear stuff all the time from clients that, and this is in no way meant to be offensive or disrespectful to any of our clients. We know that you're all going through a really stressful time and you're trying to make sense of what you're going through. So even if you've been divorced before and you're going through your second or third one, you're not an expert. We have been doing this for years. So we generally know how things are going to go and you guys don't. So sometimes your understanding of how things are going to go is, um, let's just say not aligned with reality. (laughs) I would also say, you know, I do mediation and these are things that I've heard people in mediation say that I thought were a little, you know, crazy. It's it's just kind of funny. Not funny to us sometimes when we hear it, it's funny. But but then other times we're just like, where on earth does this stuff come from? And I I have a list. I know you've you've got a list there. Um, But actually, I'm thinking of stuff now that's not even on the list. One of the things that I hear all the time is that there's some time frame on how long you have to be married to get alimony. It used to be permanent alimony. And I, maybe I shouldn't bring this up right now. This Maybe this should be another show. But you all got tricked into, <laughs> tricked into thinking there's no such thing as permanent alimony anymore. They, I'm going to get in <laughs> trouble for this probably. But... They just call it something different. It, it never was permanent alimony. I always hear this expression of lifetime alimony. There's no such thing. That never existed. I don't even know why people call it that. But it was actually called permanent alimony. And it, permanent just meant until it was terminated, really, which in most cases was when someone retired. If you disagree with any of this, John, let me know. No, um, I think that's pretty much it. I'm I'm probably just pissing off the bar. I'm not pissing off the the um our clients. Um but now it's called open durational alimony and it functions the same way. If if you've been married for t- at least 20 years, there's a basis to request what's called open durational alimony and it's long term. It's it's it doesn't have a cap on the years. So in most cases, it'll probably be when the payor retires. So it's not lifetime. Um, I hear this all the time. I still hear it. Is this something you hear? John? Oh, I do. I do. But go. But you know what? I would go back to what what you were talking about to begin with. And I think the crazy thing that I hear quite frequently is people that were married for a year or two, and they're like, "I want alimony," and I want alimony for like five times longer than I was married. Well, where do they get that idea? I don't know where they get it, and it drives me absolutely crazy. But, I mean, if you're married for a year, I'm sorry. 
you should not get alimony. I'm sorry. You should not. How much can you change your life in one year? Really, how much can you change your life? It tells me that people don't really understand what alimony is for, what it's meant to do. Well, it's, it's punitive for most people now. Like, I was married, you make more money than me, I should get alimony. Yeah, I think that's what they think it is. It's just some sort of... Uh, I, I actually saw a website, um, I forget what the group is called, but there's this group that's been very vocal about, uh, you know, opposing any form of alimony. Yeah. They call it on their website, marital welfare. <laughs> what? Yes, <laughs> marital welfare. I couldn't believe... I mean, that. I think that's offensive, and it's really a misnomer. It's That's not true. That's not correct. But that was, I thought that was an interesting phrase. Well, you know what? There's people out there that think that no one should ever get alimony under any circumstances. So there's those people too. Like, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about one of those, one of those situations where people kind of lose their mind a little bit when it comes to alimony on our list today. But, you know, just generally speaking, alimony drives everyone crazy. It just drives everyone crazy. I, it, more well, it so drives than, the payors crazy. Well, it does. It does. And, I, and the, even the person receiving it's like, I'm not getting enough. I need, I need more. I need more. That's not fair. You know, I did this, that, and the other thing. I should be getting more. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, you want so that you get more money than the person who's making it gets. And that's not fair either. Well, I think what happens there is that very often when you are in a divorce situation, there's simply not enough money to support two households on on the pool of money that you had. The pool of money that you had may have worked very well when it was the family unit in one space and, and maybe you had a nice lifestyle. But when you have to separate that money and you have to try to duplicate the same household twice, you can't always do that. And I think that's really where the problem comes in. Because I'm going to generalize here because it usually is the husband paying alimony. But husband doesn't feel like he should have to reduce his lifestyle so that wife can continue to live the same lifestyle. And wife doesn't think that, you know, why should my husband get to continue to live his his lifestyle and, and I can't. And I think both of them are right. Why shouldn't they? But if there's simply not enough money to go around, there's just not. Um, so that's when I think we hear the argument that John just suggested. Um, but going back to some of the crazy stuff that we hear, we see cases all the time where somebody was only married for a couple of years and they're asking for alimony. And I mean, you know, one, two, three years. That really is kind of a ridiculous situation. You haven't been married that long. The whole idea of alimony is that you're you're getting back, first of all, that you're getting back some return for, for what you invested into the marriage. And even if you weren't the one that was the breadwinner, you still contributed something to the breadwinner and his or her ability to go out, work, make money. Maybe you were taking care of the home or other things, but you were sort of at least providing emotional support for this person. But how much of that did you really do in a few years that warrants alimony? No, it's true. Right? You know, I think the... Uh... The really crazy thing that you hear a lot of, and it's actually on your list today, Christina, is that I don't want to pay my stay-at-home mom, wife, any alimony. Yeah. And this is this is crazy. I mean, the rest of the stuff we've been talking about, you know, levels of crazy, this is just absolutely crazy. We've seen people who have been married for 10, 15, 20 years whose wife has had, you know, one, two, three, four children, has stayed at home because that was the decision the two of them made together— and has raised these kids, 
and now they're getting divorced and she shouldn't get anything or she should get such a little amount that she literally cannot survive on it. Well, the thing that gets me there is, and again, I'm generalizing, right? It's usually the husband and wife situation where the husband went to work and the mom was the stay-at-home mom. You know, they act like she did nothing. But she did. You know what? And if you think that staying home with kids and having to do all of that is is easy, then I suggest you try it. Just take a week off work. Let your wife go on vacation somewhere or just, you know, go out during the day and just come home, you know, around five o'clock and you try it because it's not easy. It's no. very difficult. I just know from the from the little stints I've done at the Knocklinger Cassess residence taking care of my goddaughter, Sydney, who's six years old. It is no joke. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And it's actually a real responsibility because you don't get to call out sick. No. Right? You still have to get up in the morning and, and take care of your kids. So in some ways, it's almost harder. And, it, and you don't get to leave because it's at home. <laughs> it's right? A, it's a prison. You You're can't leave. Like, oh, it's five o'clock. Thank God. Done with that now. Yeah. You can't, you <laughs> you can't just leave. You can't just say, oh, yeah, um, I don't feel like going to pick them up at school right now. Uh, yeah, the school closes at some point. You have to pick them yeah, up no, or they're going to be, you know. You're stuck. It's like living at the office. Right? It is. I, I do think that um, raising children is significantly harder than most jobs that are out there. Um, but regardless, talking to, you know, telling your attorney, I don't think that my wife should have to or should receive any alimony because of, oh, I don't know, she had an affair on me or she didn't want to, you know, have sex with me anymore. You know, I, I had to divorce her. And now why should I have to pay her alimony? She didn't do anything for these 20 years. She didn't do anything. She just sat around the house and ate bonbons and, you know, did, did, you know, school projects and, you know, and cooked and cleaned. And she didn't really do anything. I earned all the money. Why should she get anything? I've heard that exact line. That's what we hear. And, And that's exactly my point is that especially if you have children, she certainly was doing something. She was, and you know what? To you didn't wasn't that a joint decision? I mean, you knew your wife was staying home, so why didn't you say, "Hey, you know what? You need to get a job." Like you let them stay home and not have a job. So uh, that's why I don't understand. Also, where years after the fact, now now suddenly you're complaining that that was a bad deal. And I have, I will say though, I have had, occasionally I get somebody who says, well, I did tell her to go get a job. It was a source of conflict in our relationship that I wanted her to go to work and she didn't want to. And for those people, I get it, but unfortunately the law doesn't really provide you any relief. So if that was the situation, we can't change the facts of the life that you lived together. So even if you had a spouse who stayed at home and and it was against your will, you wanted her to go work, depending on how long you stayed, you know, you created a status quo and you're kind of stuck with that. I'm certainly not suggesting that anybody who's in that situation now, you better hurry up and go run out there and get a divorce. But I think you need to very clearly and unequivocally communicate to your spouse that this current situation is not working for me. Well, this is all part of what you talk about all the time, Christina, which is taking responsibility for your own life. And, you know, if you've made this decision and you've stayed married to somebody who was doing something you didn't like, you made the decision to stay in that marriage. You made the decision to stay committed to that person for however many years. And now 
when you're getting divorced, you can't all of a sudden say, well, I made bad decisions, so now I should get, you know, the benefit of what the decisions I should have made would have been. You have to you have to live with whatever decision you made and take responsibility. I think that's one thing that drives me crazier than more than anything is people don't take responsibility for their decisions and for their life. They always think that somebody else should pay the price for their mistakes or they think that, you know, they should get to rewrite history. I see that a lot when uh, you see someone who uh, – there's an allegation that someone spent money 10 years ago on something and, all and they sudden, want it back. They want it back. No, you don't get it back. No, look, when 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 you're married or you're in a relationship, there are things that go down that you're not happy with. It doesn't mean you run off and get a divorce, right? Because your wife went out and bought, I don't know, I was going to say a fur coat. But does anybody buy fur coats anymore? I hope not. Um, but I don't know. She runs out and buys like some, you know, a brand new wardrobe and spends like $10,000 on it. You know, you're not going to run off and get a divorce. But it's it's just kind of part of the ups and downs, I think, of being in a relationship. There's going to be things that happen that are wonderful. And there's going to be things that happen that aren't so wonderful that creates conflict. But at some point, if there's enough conflict I think people then get to a point where the relationship's not working and that's when they end up seeing us. And you cannot at that point in time go back and rewrite your marriage. You can't just go back and fix all of those little wrongs that happened along the way. Right. And we see people that do that all the time. They want to go through all the bank account records going back years and years and get a credit for you know, every stupid thing they think their spouse bought or if if their parents gave gave them a gift and, and they spent it on the marriage and now suddenly they feel like, well, that was mine. I shouldn't have spent that on the marriage. I want that back, too. You just can't do that. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's, people want to relive everything. They want to go back in time. But, I mean, think about alimony. It's really – in this situation that we're talking about right now, if someone hasn't worked in 10, 15, 20 years – they're ne- they're probably never going to be able to earn what the person who was working that entire time was earning. I mean, there are exceptions to that, but I mean, just more likely than not, they're not because they haven't had that work experience over the you know, 10, 15, 20 years the person that's working has had. And that's why there's alimony. It's because you gave up something, in this case, your earning capacities to, you know, raise children or to stay home or, you know, to take care of the breadwinner. You know, we see this happen in extremely uh, higher income uh, brackets where there's no kids and, you know, a wife might stay home and we're stereotyping all over the place, but a wife might stay home and entertain a lot and do, you know, entertain like the husband's uh, work uh, colleagues and whatnot and really do a lot of things that help him along the way. So anyway, we could talk about this all day, but that's the point is that people say this crazy stuff. I mean, we could talk about alimony all day because the converse side of this is, you've seen this before, Christina, people that make um, one makes like 90 and the other one makes 96 and now all of a sudden we're fighting about alimony because there's a difference of $6,000. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's an extreme example, but I think more often you see it where the, maybe there's only a differential of $10,000 yeah. or, you know, $15,000, even twenty. I mean, at that point, especially if it was a sh- very short-term marriage, why are we talking about this? You're, you're paying your lawyers way more money than you're ever going to get if you even get anything at all. Because it's punitive. Yeah. Some, because people mad. are mad. They're mad. That's, That's why. why. That's what fuels it. That's what fuels all of this because someone is pissed. They are. So maybe we should just do a topic on how not to piss off your spouse because <laughs> actually an attorney that um, that I don't quite like anymore did once give me good advice and he said angry people sue. 
I forget what the dispute was. It was something stupid. And I was really emotional about it. I was upset. And he just said, let it go. And I didn't want to let it go. But he just said, let it go. Angry people sue. We should play that song from Frozen. Let, let it, it go. go. Maybe maybe that should be the theme song. Yeah, that should be, <laughs> that should be our theme song. Oh, Frozen show. 2 comes out this weekend. Oh, how exciting. So, um... <laughs> Uh, You can tell I care. Hey, I'm going to be in a theater with a bunch of kids on Saturday, so don't be jealous. Lucky you. I won't. (laughs) (laughs) I will not. Um, And I just want to say, too, this isn't meant to be uh, an anti-alimony platform. We are not anti-alimony. I think that... um, or pro alimony, I mean, it's it's um you know it has its place, and there are times when alimony is appropriate, and there are times when it is not. Um, I think where these um, anti alimony reformist people lose me is is all the emotion because if you look at their website, it's all emotion. It's like everything about marital welfare, and I don't even remember some of the other uh, words that they were using, but it was all very inflammatory like that. And it's just simply not accurate. I think if they actually revised their website so that it didn't have all of this emotional, inflammatory characterization of alimony, they might actually be, they might reach more people because it might be a little bit more credible. But I don't think it's fair to say that just because someone's getting alimony that they're getting marital welfare. I mean, not that I want to start on some political (laughs) statement about welfare, because that's charged too, but there's such a huge difference between what we traditionally see as welfare and and alimony, because as you said, John, there's some personal responsibility that's not being accounted for, and that is that you chose this person to be married to, you were part of the, the marital planning, and who went to work and, you know, what was important to you at the time. And now to say that this person is collecting welfare is really offensive to both of you. It, it kind of discounts all the decisions that you made together as a married couple. Yeah, I need to look at that website. I would suspect that a lot of the anger about alimony probably comes up after after it's already been agreed to and certain things happen. Like, for example, if someone loses their job and, you know, for whatever reason, a judge is not sympathetic to that point and they have to continue to pay alimony and you know people people a lot of people find that to be unfair like some of the the laws around modifying alimony I know that they've really been upset about that that's why the alimony statute was changed to actually allow people to retire at 67 or full social full social security retirement age without having to really prove anything else. That was part of the compromise, I think, when they passed the new laws to provide some relief for some of these people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it was it was a means to try to fix some of the problems in the alimony statute. It didn't fix all of them. And it fixed some of them, but I don't know that there is any way to make everybody happy. Never. Right? And if you have any comments or questions about this topic, you can call us right now live at 732-545-WCTC. That's 732-545-9282. We're happy to entertain your questions or comments. Particularly if you don't agree with us. Yeah, but keep we it like clean, okay? <laughs> if I can't say SH, you can't either. <laughs> All right. So some of the other sort of crazy stuff that we've heard, this this statement actually did come out of a client's mouth. 
And I'll tell you why I was so perplexed by it. But you told me that my spouse would have to pay all of my council fees. (laughs) This came from somebody. She swore up and down that I told her that. And I know with absolute certainty that I never told her that. Because it, it simply doesn't happen. It doesn't happen ever. So if you're getting yeah. a divorce or you're in the, in the midst of a divorce, your spouse is not going to have to pay all of your counsel fees unless he or she agrees to do that. Yeah. What happens more typically is it comes out of marital assets. And your spouse may be required to contribute to your fees in some fashion and may be ordered to do that by a judge. But for you to think that you're going to Go through a divorce and you're going to have no responsibility to absorb any of the cost of that. That's just simply not accurate. I I can't imagine any circumstance that that would ever happen. Well, just think about it logically. When you start a divorce, all of the assets are, well, most of the assets are probably marital unless they're significant exempt assets. So it's all coming out of marital assets no matter how you swing it. I mean, it really is for most people. I mean, some people, there's a lot of income where it can come out of. But I got to tell you, Christina, that was probably right after you told that same person that the entire divorce was only going to cost like $2,000. Oh, yes. That's another one. That's a good one, John. Yes. We get that a lot. And I don't know. Should we say what our initial retainer is? It's $5,000. Yeah. I mean, there are times when it might be less and there are times when it might be more. It just depends on the complexity of the case. But And I think that's probably average for a firm our size. I think it is. $5,000. I've had people insist that I told them or that some attorney in our office told them that's all it'll be. It'll only be $5,000. That is impossible. I tell people all the time if because they want to know how much is this going to cost and it's a perfectly valid question. How much is this going to cost? I can't tell you that because that depends on you, you and your spouse. It depends on what you argue about, how long you argue about it. And, you know, generally how long this case takes. So if you spend 12 months arguing about alimony, you're paying for that that whole time. If you spend 12 months arguing about who gets the china, you're paying for all of that all that time. So the longer you have me and John in your life, the more you're paying. So I tell people, really, this is the time to pick your battles. And it does require people to be able to put some emotion aside. And I know that that's hard because I've been in situations where I had to put emotion aside. And it's very difficult. But you do you should trust your lawyer just to tell you, you know, when you're really going out there, when you're going off the deep end and when you're being emotional about something and, and without being offended. Because if you trust them, that's what you're paying them for, to tell you what is realistic. What are realistic expectations for me in this divorce? What should I be fighting about? What should I not be fighting about? And if you choose not to listen to your attorney, it's going to cost more in law likelihood. Yeah. Um, I would also say another thing that can increase the cost that we can't predict when a case starts is who does your spouse retain as their attorney? There are certain attorneys out there that have the same philosophy that we do that you should always try to resolve things out of court, that you should really focus on settlement from day one. There are attorneys out there who have an exact opposite view. They they take the view of they want to litigate and try to compel the other person to settle by just, you know, being overbearing in terms of the process. And that's going to cost a lot of money, too. A lot of times you don't know what who your attorney's going to, your uh, 
spouse is going to retain whenever you come into our office. And that's a big unknown. And I would say because of that and because you don't know how the spouse is going to relate you know, emotionally during the process, it's impossible for any attorney to tell you how much the process is going to cost. It's just impossible. And anyone who does, it, they're going to be wrong because yeah. there's so many unforeseen circumstances that happen. I would be very careful about any attorney who you go for a consultation that just say, oh, that'll only cost you like, you know, five or 10000 And then you sign up with them thinking, okay, well, at least I know I'm not going to spend more than 10000 you better run and go somewhere else yeah. because they're they're just telling you that so that you'll retain them and they're not going to deliver it. There's no way they can promise you that. I I have a fake crystal ball in my office I, just for fun and it's not real. Nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows that how long your divorce is going to be or how much it's going to cost. I mean, we can only even give you a range of alimony and child support generally based upon our expertise and how long we've been doing this, nobody can even predict for you exactly what your alimony will be. They can only give you a range. Would you agree with that, John? Oh, I agree with that 100%. I mean, you how much it's going to how much it's going to cost is um is really the number one question we get asked at consultations and um I People really try. They want a range. They're they're like really pressuring us for ranges and whatnot. And um, I I do get people ranges, but I I caveat them to death. I'm like, well, if this happens, and if that happens, and if this happens, and if that happens, then it might be in this range. But that's no good for you. If you go into the process thinking, listen, I want to be reasonable. I want to listen to my attorney. I want to try to look at this as much as I can as just a business transaction, like I'm buying a house. Um, then I can keep my costs down. If you go into the process thinking that way, um, you don't. You probably won't have to worry about a huge bill at the end of the day. Uh, now, there's all kinds of exceptions to this if there's more complicated situations. But most people, that's what you should be thinking about: is how, what can I do? What kind of responsibility can I take for the process to keep the cost down? Because if the costs are really high, it's because one, either you or your spouse wasn't being reasonable and was taking positions that were not going to lead to a settlement. That's right. And I, what do you think, though, when you get um, someone who might respond and say, well, I am being reasonable, but my spouse is not. And I want to settle. I, I would settle today. But my spouse is, is angry, vindictive, whatever. You know, there's a lot of reasons. has a ton of money to litigate, and I don't. What, do you, what is your feeling about that sort of situation? Is it true? Does it really happen? What can those people do? Well, it, it does happen, but it's not. I would say it's fairly rare. Most people, when they come in, they have an idea about what their spouse's reaction is going to be to the process. Um, you know, I hear things like, oh, my spouse is the most, uh, you know, everyone believes everything he says. And, oh, he's you know, charming. He's so charming. And, you know, he's going to charm you. He's going to charm everybody. And then when you meet them, you realize... <laughs> What what are they seeing? I mean, because everyone sees what they want to see in their spouse, I think. Um, so I would just say to the people that come in thinking like that, you say, listen, all you can control is yourself. You can control your reaction, the, how you address things. Um, we have certain things, tools in our toolbox where we can try to move the process along. Um, you need to trust your attorney to try to do that. 
um, and don't do anything yourself to inflame the process. Um, I certainly would never advocate you just, you know, giving up everything just to get the case done quickly. No, definitely um, not. Because, you know, you've seen this, Christina. If someone doesn't want to get divorced, you can af- offer them everything. And they're still going to say no because they're dragging their feet, hoping, you know, hoping the process ends or something. So, yeah, I'm I not sure, know. quite sure what those people think, but they, they want to drag it on. Oh, my, my wife's going to change her mind. She's going to change her mind. We might reconcile. Well, my favorite is before. the, and I did mention this on a previous show, my favorite is when they go, oh, I think there's something wrong with her. I think that she's um, having some sort of uh, mental health event. Bipolar. Yeah, she's bipolar. bipolar. She's depressed. She's going through a midlife crisis. And I hear the same thing about men, too. And it's a way to kind of excuse or, or explain the behavior and this person doesn't really want to divorce they're just going through something right now yeah. I, I think I did a video on this on, on our Facebook page and I said no they want a divorce if they're telling you they want a divorce they want a divorce it's that simple I love the um, husbands I hear it more often than not about men that they're narcissistic and that their wives are bipolar. I yeah. think we, we did a prior podcast on that exact topic. We've done several shows on that. We've talked about that frequently. And it is. It's something that comes up all the time. All the time. And we could do another show on that if you guys want us to. <laughs> we can talk about all these subjects all day. So, well, we do, don't we? We do this at work. We, we do. So, um, another thing that um, crazy stuff that clients say. I want to be fair but I don't want to give my spouse X, Y, or Z. I don't want, I, this, this is one I liked. I love my wife. She's a great lady. I just don't want to be married to her anymore. And I want to be fair, but I don't want her to have any part of my business. <laughs> well, dude, you, if you really want to be fair, you got to give her part of the business, right? Yeah. So it's interesting. People's idea of fair is, is very subjective. And you could say that, of the attorneys too, and the judge, and all the all the people involved in the circus—that's what I call it. All the characters involved <laughs> in the play. So, luckily, there there is some law that provides a little bit of guidance on what's fair. Sometimes helpful, sometimes not, because nobody can it can tell you with a hundred percent certainty. Well, this is what fair is. This is what fair looks like. But I can tell you that if you have a business. And it's subject to equitable distribution, which any attorney, competent divorce lawyer should be able to tell you. She's going to get a piece of it. She's entitled to that. And whether you, you know, how you give her a piece of it, whether it's valued and, you know, you figure out what her share of that value would be and you pay her in some other way. Maybe you give her money. Maybe you give her stock. Maybe you just give her some other asset in lieu of the business, whatever it is, she's going to get a piece of it. So for you to tell me, I really want to be fair, but whatever, you know, but I don't want her to have the business, but I don't want her to get alimony, but I don't want her to have X, Y, and Z. You just negated the first part of the sentence. So if you really want to be fair, then you want to be fair. And then you should coordinate that with your attorney to sort of figure out what does that look like. Yeah, my I have a favorite one too, and I'll, I'll pick on I'll pick on wives now. Um, I love when someone comes in, they're like, "Oh, my husband, you know, I don't want to be married anymore, but he is such a good father. He, you know, the kids love him to death. He's such a good father. He's always there for them." Um, and I want to be fair. 
So I only want him to have one overnight every other week. <laughs> Or something like that. Some, That's inconsistent. Some, 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 something like that. And you're just like, do you like, really hear that? You really hear that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I, I heard that at mediation just the other day. Someone told me all the wonderful things about their spouse, and yet they were fighting tooth and nail for them to have as little time as possible. What was with the, the reason? Did she have a reason? You know, people make up their all their reasons. This is the one. I don't know if I. I think I told you about this. This is the one where someone didn't want. Um, her husband to travel to another country um, with the child, with the child um, who was a girl. I forget how old, maybe like eight or nine, um, because she had some like imagination that somehow her daughter would get kidnapped and sold into the like the sex trade trade or something. I mean, it was it was so something. It was, it was irrational. It was totally irrational. But yet, on the same token, I heard about how wonderful the husband was. How uh, as a father, and in that case, she agreed to fifty-fifty time, but then wouldn't agree to like anything else because she was making up excuses. She was upset that she had agreed to that, so she was putting up other roadblocks in other aspects of the relationship between dad and the kid um, to try to make up for the fact that she was uncomfortable with agreeing to fifty-fifty time. Now, I'm not saying that just because someone's a good father or a good mother, they should have fifty-fifty time with the kids. Although that's where I feel like we're going as a society. Everyone feels that's how it should work. But you can't say, listen, the, my other parent, my co-parent is a wonderful parent. My kids love them and then try to limit their time with the kids. It's one or the other. It doesn't make sense. But you know what? There's the opposite of that happens all the time, too, where I'm just going to say we'll blame it on dad. Dad says mom's crazy. All she does is pop pills all day and lay on the couch and, like you said earlier, eat bonbons and the kids are run amok. But then say, oh, but, you know, I'm she's going to have to have custody. You can't say that. It's not you lose all credibility when you say mom's crazy. She can't take care of the kids. The kids are in danger. But then say, well, I, I can only have them on the weekends. I have to work. I work 18-hour days. Or, or even better, they leave. They leave the house. They move out. And they leave the kids there with this alleged crazy mother. Don't you see that come up? Like It happens all the during time. During the divorce process where people are starting to get divorced and someone's like, my spouse should only have supervised time with the kids because they're an alcoholic. And then when you start to press them, you're like, well, how long have they been an alcoholic? For years. So naturally, for the last couple of years, you've never left the kids alone with them, correct? Well, no. Oh, so it's only an issue because now you're going through a divorce. It, yeah. You weren't concerned about your children's safety when you were married. It's only now that you're getting divorced. I People are really inconsistent with the way they feel about things because they come at it from an emotional standpoint. Yes. They come at it as a adversarial standpoint. They're not thinking about the children. They're thinking about how they best can get one up on their spouse. And um, I don't know. I, we could talk about that all day, too. But I really just think that you, when you come in, if you don't want to be cra- sound crazy to your attorney, you just need to have consistent viewpoints. So if you come in and you say, my, my, uh, the other spouse is a very good parent, then whatever your position is on custody and parenting time should be consistent with the fact you think they're a great parent and the kids love them. You can't be all over the place because you're never going to settle your case that way. Because if the other parent is a good parent, they're going to want that time with the kids. And if you're not allowing it, guess what? 
that last topic we just talked about. You're about to pay a lot more in council fees to fight about yeah. custody and parenting time when you don't need to. I think that probably most of the custody cases that we litigate aren't really about custody. No. I don't believe that some of them are, but I think it's a very small percentage. I think most of them are really about one-upping the other parents and using the children like their personal property to be one. It happens all the time. It's really disgusting because people I truly, they don't know how they are totally screwing up their kids, really screwing them up. Especially if they're teenagers I, or, lot, or that tween age. Oh, those are horrible. That's horrible. I got to tell you, I don't think most people even care. I, like, I really have come to the conclusion that kids are innocent bystanders and they get damaged so much in divorce. Um, and I think once the divorce process is over, most people probably feel bad about what they do. I don't think so. because, think? And I, I disagree that they don't care. I think they probably believe somewhere in their minds that they're doing the right thing, that they really are fueling the litigation because they're trying to protect their children. But it's it's just not about that. I mean, when you see these highly dysfunctional, protracted litigation about custody, I'm sorry, it's not about custody. I bet there's not one that's really about custody. And it's if you see crazy on one side, you see crazy on the other side. Because I don't believe for one minute that two people were married for like 20 years and only one of them was crazy. Does that whole that saying a two doesn't marry a ten? Uh, yeah. Well, I always say it the other way. <laughs> ten doesn't marry a two. And, you know, if you're only married for a couple of years, then maybe I could believe it. Maybe I could believe maybe. like, okay, well, the crazy came out. <laughs> and you got out of Dodge. But 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, something happened there. I don't know what it was, but... No, you know what? A lot of times when it comes to custody, I I don't know what the motivation is because I've seen this fight, this exact fight I'm about to say, many, many times. And that's where, I'll say it's usually mother, but one person wants one additional overnight than the other one. And they really can't tell you why. It's just like I want it. I have a case like that right now. And you're like, okay. So if there if the other parent should have, you know, three nights a week, then why can't on alternate weeks them have four nights a week? Like what what's the reason? Well, cuz I need more than 50% of the time. Why? Because that's what the children need. Well, what's one overnight going to do for the kids? Like at some point it becomes some people just cannot explain to you why, and so you have to go to a place of they want to win or they need to feel like they have to have this designation of being their primary parent to feel good because it can't be about the kids at that point. I just don't believe it can be. Well, a lot of people will say that it's about the kids, and I think they actually believe that. They might. But the other aspect of this is that people need to realize that, okay, this was your husband or your wife. And they're not going to be your husband or your wife anymore. And you don't respect them as a husband or a wife and you want to end that relationship. But you can't terminate the parent-child relationship. It's biological, right? It's You can't terminate it. it. That's the child's father. That's the child's mother. They will always be the child's father or mother. And whether you like them or not, because you did like them once... Right. For at least a little while. (laughs) That's how the child came to be. 
you can't change that now. There's no way to undo that. I mean, we were talking about people who want to go back 10 years and figure out credits for, you know, money that they think the spouse spent. And, you know, they want that back now. You can't undo the sperm meeting the egg, right? (laughs) That would be something if you could. You can't, like you can't unring a bell, you can't unfertilize the egg. (laughs) So it's Oh, my God. That's mom. That's dad. You're stuck with it. Live with your decision. <laughs> that I don't mean to discount the the situations where there is somebody that maybe is mentally ill or has a substance abuse problem yeah. and it really is unsafe for the children to be around that person. I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about the ones where you've decided you don't like your husband or your wife anymore. And because you've decided that you need to eliminate him or her from your life, then that means the children need to as well. And I see that all the time. I really think it's disgusting. And I would just ask people to please consider whether you're doing that. Because it, it's horrible. It's, it's damaging to it, the children. It's horrible. And it's just as bad as the people that think they're special have supervised parenting time yeah i mean that if there's not if it's not really warranted yeah and you see when we say it's not warranted it's those situations you'll see christina where someone's just like well you know like let's say a child that's like actually i see this come up frequently in very young children like one two um and i see a mother just believing that the father can't properly take care of the child and they need to be supervised and and, the, and they really can't give you anything more than like, oh, well, they never changed diapers or they didn't feed the kid as though like the father couldn't learn to do those things. If in fact, it's true that they never did it to begin with. You can learn. Yeah, you can learn. I mean, super. I, mean, I th- changed Sydney's diaper once. Well, I did it more than once. But the first time I put it on backwards. Remember that? Well, I'm not okay. ashamed to admit that. Let's get her other father didn't wipe correctly his first time either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, that's stuff you can learn, right? It's not rocket science changing a diaper. No, it's not. But it's it's part of, you know, back to your point about um, legitimate issues. I mean, if, if a parent has a legitimate mental health problem, substance abuse problem, something like that, you maybe should, well, you should be pushing for supervised time with um with that parent because that's what's safe for your kids. But guess what? They still are in your children's life. It does, I mean, you really need to make sure that your both parents are involved in the kids' lives because once you get divorced, it's going to be traumatic on the kids more likely than not. And so this is the one place where you can really make sure you don't damage your kids. Yeah, and I think it's it, as long as, like I said, the other person doesn't have a severe mental illness or that's untreated or have a substance abuse problem, you're kind of stuck with who they are. You know, if you don't like their parenting, if they're not causing any harm to the child, you're kind of stuck with that. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow because there are people that just they just have different parenting styles. I I think I've talked about a case I had in the past where the husband was very rigid. He was very disciplined. He ate healthy all the time. You know, he was fit and the wife wasn't so much. And she would bring them to McDonald's during her time. And it drove him absolutely crazy. He actually hired me to file a motion to address this. I thought it was ridiculous. What a prohibition on going to McDonald's? Just generally restricting her time and the things that she could do. Mm. So he he wanted to police her parenting. 
And it was so difficult for him to accept that he was just going to have to live with her taking them to McDonald's if she wanted to. And, you know, that's a situation where they they probably didn't work out because of these differences that I think um, sometimes are more noticeable when you have children together. Yeah. Bedtimes, all that kind of before the kids like it's cool. Like she was probably cool. She was a hot tamale (laughs) before the kids came. But then it was like, what? McDonald's. (laughs) What what did I do? You know, as someone who has a child, (laughs) let me tell you, there are times when you're tired. Your kid is screaming in the car that they need food. And you know what? Chicken nuggets from McDonald's sounds pretty good to make sure that they can get something to eat so they don't scream anymore at you. And I can tell you I've done it, even though I haven't personally eaten at McDonald's in probably 20 years. I have bought McDonald's for my daughter because, you know what, sometimes that's the easier thing to do. And it's not going to kill a child to yeah, do that. Yeah, but that's your personal I, opinion. And, and it's not right or wrong. No, it's not. Because there's someone else who would say, ugh. You give your your kid McDonald's? I mean, there are people like that out there that will say that. And it doesn't matter who's right or wrong. That That's the point. It doesn't matter. I mean, everyone's got a different opinion. And Yeah. So so I'm not. So if you want me to file a motion on your behalf to to end the McDonald's runs, I can't do it. OK, <laughs> I just can't do it. So the other um, I have a couple more things on my list that we can get through. This is another one that I hear frequently. My husband or wife, it goes both ways. My husband should pay more because he's the one who wanted the divorce. Do you hear that? I hear that all the time, and I hear it in all kinds of contexts. I hear it in, all right, well, I didn't want the divorce, so my spouse should pay for the divorce. I didn't want the divorce, so my spouse should not get alimony or should have to pay me more alimony. I didn't want the divorce... So, you know, I should be able to stay in the house if I want to. You could go on and on. Just put in the blank. Yes. At some point. Yes. But it's this. You're right. People get so caught up on, well, I didn't want this. And again, it goes back to lack of lack of responsibility and taking ownership of your own life. Okay, your spouse doesn't want to be married to you anymore. You know, it's it's easy to say, well, I don't want this. So, you know, they should have to be responsible for the whole thing. But guess what? You got married as a joint as a you both had to make an independent decision that you wanted to get married. So why would it not be fair that you each could make an independent decision? You don't want to be married anymore. That's what it boils down to. Wait a second. Both people have to want to get married. (laughs) But both people don't have to want to get divorced. So I guess that's where the problem is. It's is the true. one who doesn't is like, well, you wanted the divorce, so why should I suffer? You know, if someone else is going to have less money and not be able to live the marital lifestyle or whatever, you know, not drive a fancy car, why should it be me? I'm not the one who wanted to get the divorce. Right? Isn't that the logic? Yeah, that is the logic. <laughs> why are you laughing at me, John? <laughs> I love it. We're trying a new setup today. Um, if you're listening to us on the radio, you can't really see us, but we're on, actually on Facebook Live right now. And we're, we're, we have this interesting setup today where I can't look in Christina's eyes, so I can't see her, you know, make her facial expressions whenever I say things today. I'm very expressive. I, I can't play poker because... I don't know. You'd always know if I had a good hand or a bad hand. Yeah, you don't really roll your eyes. It's more like just a facial expression. I know I make this. I make things too. Like what you talk about, Willis. <laughs> like that. But um, That bef- kind of face. Before we run out of time, I do want to get to the last one on your list because this one I hear more often than I would think I would hear. And that's, can't I force my wife to go back to her maiden name? Yeah. I, I, 
you know I what? hear that a lot. I Why do people think that? And we do still have a few minutes left. If you have any questions or you just want to tell us off, the phone number here is 732-545-9282. Or if you're on Facebook Live, you can always send us a message there yeah, as well. give us a wave. <laughs> but, you know, I don't hear this at the beginning of cases so often. What I hear is at the end of the case, people go into court to get divorced and all of a sudden they're like, wait a second. What what do you mean there that she's going to keep my last name? No, I want her to, re, you know, I don't want her to have my last name anymore. And you're like, you can't force her to change her last name. Why would you think you could force her to change her last name? Um, and I guess what always it happens a lot. It happens. It happens more often than I would think. And it's usually like the last issue. It's like something kind of as a side note at the end, like people just assumed that their spouse would change their last name. But guess what? If you have kids. More often than not, they're not going to change their last name back to their maiden name because your kids might have the same last name as you. Um, we're talking to men right now. They might have your same last name as you. So why would they want to change their name? They want their same last name as their kids if that's what's going on. Well, again, that goes back to making emotional decisions. Yeah. It's about emotion. What do you care? I mean, seriously, what do you care? You're going to be divorced. What do you care if they still have your last name? Are you concerned that people are going to... Th- think that it's strange i don't really know what why i mean people do it's it. not like you know like for instance when melania trump comes to her senses and gets divorced i don't know she might be too embarrassed to keep that name what is her maiden name <laughs> by the time it happens i don't know that's an interesting but so i don't know i mean i guess a name like trump or if you're a celebrity and it's a celebrity name why wouldn't you want to keep that i mean chris jenner had talked about changing her last name to kardashian at some point because it was a famous name, and she wanted the famous name. Well, Jenner was pretty famous too, wasn't it? Yes, but or you still know, is. This, is, <laughs> this was when the Kardashians really started getting big. Uh, when they took over the world. Yes, they have taken over the world. I know. I um, what's the one that has the cosmetic line? Kylie. Kylie. I I heard that every time she posts anything on Instagram that's sponsored, she gets a million dollars. Oh God. Well, we're looking for sponsors for New Jersey Divorce <laughs> Solutions. It's a less it's a lot less than a million dollars if you're interested. For the podcast, not the law firm. Yes, if you're in yeah, if you're interested, <laughs> Christina at PNLawNJ.com. <laughs> but that is interesting. She got six hundred million dollars for that deal. Yeah, and all she's do is what, stay on as an advisor, creative advisor is the thing is what I heard. I don't know, but I, I would be interested in talking to someone who does business law and I guess mergers and acquisitions because why did she give away 51% I guess they wanted a controlling share but then why did she stay on at all who knows who knows I mean I gotta tell you I I think I read somewhere the revenue was only like 117 million so I'm always thinking like she was worth a billion dollars right isn't that what I've always heard that's what I've heard I mean that's it must be more than a billion because if they Valued at that, it must be. So what you need to do is be the daughter of someone famous, and then start some start some company after going on social media, and uh, you can make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> you if you're if you're on Facebook Live with us right now, you get to see you get to see how the sausage is made in the in the studio. Yes. Um, although John is drinking, I don't even want to say, uh, we'll just say from a very popular coffee establishment, because I'm not giving them free advertising. <laughs> if they would like to be a sponsor, they can call us I know we, and, and we'll talk. And I, and I have an and I have a iPad. You know, we, we're just sponsoring all over the place today. 
Okay, so we still have a few minutes. What else do our clients say that really piss us off? I hope I can say that. <laughs> I guess we'll find out Otherwise, if you Otherwise, I'm going to get fired. Um, I, one thing that really irks me is when people tell me later on in the case, well, you told me I wasn't going to have to do this, or you told me I was that I was going to get off without having to pay alimony, or you told me that I have custody of the kids. Um, I think... What what I really feel is that when people come into consultations and at the beginning of a case, people hear what they want to hear. They really do. So if you say, you know, oh, there's a chance that um, we can get you, you know, primary custody of the kids, they don't even hear the chance part. All they hear is I'm getting primary custody of my kids. And if that doesn't happen, they get crazy. And I don't I don't know if I want to use the word crazy, but later on they tell you this and they insist that you told them this. It goes back to what you said earlier yeah. about how much it's going to cost people. Um, I feel like a lot of people hear what they want to hear. I think that also goes back to sort of a recurring theme is personal responsibility. Yeah, because I think people look for someone to blame when things don't go their way, when they don't get what they want. And that could be. The, div- the marriage didn't work out. It could be that they didn't get something in the divorce that they wanted or that, you know, something's not going well for them in the litigation. It's never them. It's always someone else. And I think that's something I've been more vocal about, even with my own clients, as I've progressed in my career, um, maybe being able to say it now that I'm, I've been practicing a sufficient amount of time that I know what I'm doing. And... And I sometimes people listen and they take it to heart and sometimes they don't and they just get offended. But it, it really goes down, goes back to personal responsibility. You have to accept what happens to you in your life. And if you left a bad marriage, you know, if you had a, a husband who was abusive, I mean, it's certainly not your fault that no. that person was abusive. But what is your fault? I hate to use that word because it sounds so negative. But what is your responsibility? It's your responsibility to get yourself out of that situation, right? Not to stay or if whatever the situation, maybe it's something much less than abuse. Maybe it's just a situation that you're unhappy about. It's your responsibility to get yourself out of it, however you need to do that. And to compromise. You're not going to get everything that you want leaving the divorce. That's true of anybody. I agree. And I real quick, I would just say that if you want to listen to some of Christina's excellent videos on sort of the mindset of divorce, I think that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, go to our social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook. Um, Instagram, we're NJ Divorce, right? NJ underscore divorce. Yeah, you can see lots of great videos. So we hope some of this information was helpful for you. Um, you can find us at centraljerseyfamilylaw.com or you can call our firm at 732-529-6937. Thank you. Have a nice day and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.